little beanie babies and welcome to the weirding hour. <laughs> what a throwback there, what a throwback. Hashtag 90s kids. Hashtag TM. No, TY. TY. <laughs> Hashtag TM, good start. Thanks. Too much. much. On this podcast, we do one giant Y incision on the world, pull back the rib cage of history and get to look at all the little weird organs contained within. Ugh, I love which, that. Which in itself is a weird way to say that we tell each other weird stories. And as you can already tell, we also chat shit and do a little weird craft as well. I am your host this week. My name's Mimi and I shall let my esteemed colleagues introduce themselves. I'm Rhea. Oh, fuck. Yeah, is. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bothwell. I'm Nina. Oh, yeah. Excellent. So I am so excited about the craft today, my dudes. We get to fully regress to being total children because we are doing finger painting. Yay. I would like to I would like to clarify because you know how sometimes we can interpret the work that we do in our own amazing style that can mm. be tenuous. Do we yep. have to paint on paper with our fingers or can we paint our fingers? Uh, whatever that, you want man yeah what you know art just makes you feel something you know i think it's... you should paint with your fingers on the wall oh, mm. i could I, I, that mm. might cost me exactly one wife <laughs> depends Which i think you, it's too high do a portrait of joe and she can't oh complain. that will oh that's going to cost me one wife <laughs> <laughs> if somebody else did it me yeah but not so much no. And also, for the listeners, Rhea is holding three rolls of tape, which is no. absolutely not the craft we're doing no, today. I'm holding three rolls of ribbon. Oh, it's ribbon. Oh, I beg your pardon. Still not the craft. No. By the way. no. <laughs> <laughs> but now we know what I'm holding. Okay. What's, it, what's it for? Uh, shoes. <laughs> that sounded like really made up. So it's it really is. Definitely <laughs> for some Officer. kind of kink. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's just my um, it's my um, my shoe ribbons, you know, my shoe ribbons that I put on my shoes. Those ones. It's definitely not for Will's peen. That no. Gift wrapped. <laughs> oh, hello everyone. Yeah, we've just it's gone hour. just balls deep into this episode straight away, haven't we? Good lord. What are we talking about today? Well. I don't know if you could tell from my really laboured intro, but today is about weird medical practices. Uh, oh, that's oh, a good one. That's why you did it. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Did you not see the obvious segue? <laughs> I like how oh, you left a really long gap between that intro and then saying what we're doing. A good yeah. ten minutes, like long enough for the audience to potentially forget, forget the intro. I. Nice. It probably wouldn't have been as long if we hadn't started talking about William's penis and Ribbons. Rhea's ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of things not... that are long. So, okay, here's one. Who's on the operating table first? Is it, is it Rhea? Yeah, I think it, it might is. be Rhea. It is. Um, yeah. So I'll get ready to um, bear all. Um... <laughs> <laughs> which, which part of you are we operating on today? Man? <laughs> 
yeah i mean all of it i hope um <laughs> so i'm actually going to talk about electricity used in medical practices and you might think of uh, electroshock therapy mm-hmm. um, and attaching electrodes to people's brains and shocking them repeatedly, uh-huh. trying to force them to have seizures and, um, and all that kind of thing. But in fact, that is not even the start of using Ooh. electricity in medical practices. So um, the earliest recorded use of electrotherapy was actually in ancient Greece. What? Um, yeah. How? Did they have electricity? So they lightning. You know what they did have. Um, so no, they did Discus. try to. They, they did not try to harness lightning um, oh. to to get people though. That would be incredible. Way more no, interesting. Yeah. Very they, Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah no he's he's fucking cured like no he's 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 dead mate um, <laughs> but he's not suffering anymore so yeah he doesn't he doesn't have diabetes anymore but he is dead <laughs> cured yes um, no actually they um, they couldn't get electricity themselves and so what they they actually did was they tried to get it from a type of fish. Uh, called the torpedo fish which was also known as an electric ray and these fish they are capable of producing between 8 and 220 volts of electricity that's quite a large range yeah so what you would do is you would take the fish and you would go to the person who was suffering generally chronic pain. It could be things like arthritis, uh, backache, you know, what have you. You've got a part that's hurting. I'm going to stick this electric fish on it. (laughs) And uh, and let's see what happens. Yeah. And all the timey doctors. (laughs) Um, So I don't actually have uh, a bunch of records of any you know proven uh, this never happened (laughs) i'm just saying i don't know about the success rates Mm. what i suspect happened is that people went yeah all right and stuck a fish on them and then went yeah you know what maybe it's a bit better Mm. (laughs) you think they just said that so they could leave (laughs) oh great thanks (laughs) definitely cured please please stop touching me 100 percent. me at the doctor dentist any medical professional yeah that's better thank you yeah, can i go yeah, now bye. Yeah. bye wonderful yeah love it so moving forward in time people actually started to experiment with uh, electricity so we've heard of benjamin franklin and there were actually lots of people around that time in the 1700s who were trying to harness electricity and and see what could be done with it. He, in particular, was drawing connections between electricity and lightning, but um, there were other people who were just getting fascinated with the use of electricity. And also, um, kind of, there were a lot of performances at that time as well. So people were going around and kind of uh, putting, making demonstrations of electricity mm-hmm. and trying to harness electricity. 
it was um, the Leyden jar that people started to use. So it was a, a glass vessel and it was built to contain an electric charge. And that was invented in 1745. It was kind of like, I think you would describe it more as like friction um, generated electricity. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know all the like static. Yeah, yeah. So it, it wouldn't necessarily, you wouldn't necessarily be able to compare it to like electroshock therapy in mm -hmm. the 1800s. Like it was the lower voltage and a lot more people were using it. Um, and it was all over the world that people were creating uh, demonstrations of it and writing essays and trying to share knowledge about it. But it, it does feel a lot like it was a massive like boys club where everyone was just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Um, <laughs> like just just going around and, and being all like, look, I made this dead frog like Twitch. With yeah. this. It's hey, so you want to see? Club? Pay yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, quite, quite. Um, but one of the people that I wanted to talk about in particular uh, was John Wesley. And he wrote a book and published it in the 1940s. Um, sorry, not 1940s. It was first published in um, the 1740s. Oh, that's quite different. Yeah. <laughs> and it was called uh, Primitive Physic or An Easy and Natural Method of Curing Most Diseases. Most and yeah, John Wesley was pretty convinced that electric treatment could help just about anything. So he he did actually start to notice that it did um, seem to help people with nervous dispositions more than others. Um, but he would prescribe it for pretty much anything. Um, and he also used it on himself. So he used it on himself twice. Um, so once when he was 70 and once when he was 80. Sorry? Yeah. That doesn't seem safe. No, I, th I'm telling you, these fuckers were crazy. <laughs> that, was, that was a good age to live to back then. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's, yes it is, but also the average age that we have from various time periods is, is exactly that, an average taken and that often gets affected a lot by um, infant death whereas mm. like once you got past a certain age you you would actually normally survive to quite old okay oh yeah I see what you're saying yeah um, but yeah so he uh, decided that he was going to cure his lameness so he had <laughs> like <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you three should uh, invest in the same kind of thing <laughs> Um, so he had a lame leg, so he he gave himself electroshock therapy um, and, and decided, like he recorded, that it worked, he was cured. Mm. Um, and then later, when he was in his 80s, he was feeling um, a lot of cramp and he'd had a cold whilst he was riding in an open chaise from one preaching appointment to another. So he was also a preacher. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. He was that. living the fucking life, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had a deep cough and it wouldn't go away. So he tried to keep preaching, but he got very weak and he was like, oh, this is awful. So um, after a night's rest, which also uh, contains some vomiting, um, <laughs> You know, he, that's how I rest. <laughs> <laughs> Gentle vomiting. He 
he went to the next town and after he arrived there, he was like, actually, my chest is feeling bad. I'm getting these terrible cramps. So he convinced his friends to electrify him in his legs and chest several times a day. Um, and then a few days later, he was fine. So cool. Yeah. Uh, uh. Apparently it's fine. You can just you can just do that when you're 80. Sick. But he was also um, oddly, uh, I don't know, oddly, but he he was concerned that remedies be um, cheap and easy to access for poor people. So like he was trying to make like really simple electric shock machines that would be free of use in his clinics. So um, in London and in Bristol. Good guy. Yeah. So like. Yeah, he just wanted to electrocute the poor people. <laughs> <laughs> a good guy, like I said. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, and here are some of the uh, people that received the treatment. So um, on the this... podcast, we're going to bring them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've brought them back from the dead. Um, so. My favourite one is this one. So, uh, William Jones, a plasterer, fell from a scaffold on Thursday, the 15th of February last. He was grievously bruised, both outwardly and inwardly, and lay in violent pain, utterly helpless, till Saturday in the afternoon, when he was brought, carried, by two men to be electrified. (laughs) (laughs) He's having a great day. Oh, I can't explain the glee on Rhea's face as she finished that <laughs> sentence. You absolute sadist. Can you imagine? No, I don't want to. Um, oh, good Lord. It's the worst. Like, oh, I've been in terrible pain, like, for almost a week. And now, You know what you need? Yeah, like, no, I don't think I do, thank you. Oh, let us just electrify you a little bit. Come on. But apparently, a few minutes after receiving the treatment, he walked home uh, and on Monday went to work. So, um, oh, yeah. Getting back in the force, you know? Yeah. yeah this really is a Tory invention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that might not have been, you know, the product. That might have just been man had bills to pay. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it very much was. But yeah, there are a few others. So uh, a person had rigid, rigid knots in the thigh, like uh, what appear in violent cramps, but not so hard or painful. These were entirely dissipated in a minute or two, only by drawing sparks. (laughs) Drawing sparks. Sorry, knots in the thigh. Yeah, but not so hard or painful as those that appear in violent cramps. To clarify. Oh, I was I was wondering if yeah. it was those, but it's yeah. not. Uh, and then one more. Oh, this one's good. A man, 57 years old, who had been deaf for 32 years, was so relieved in a few days as to hear tolerably well. What? Yeah. From being electrocuted. Yeah. So I presume he just had like. No, I don't presume anything, actually. I presume well, no, what he had a, a large buildup of wax that got that's, well, yeah, that that's bit. what I was presuming. Like, and did it get melted? But then I was like, or oh, did melted. the electricity like 
I don't know, kick kickstart. What are the little things you've got in your ear? Like the hammer, anvil, three little things that sound like yeah. tools. Sure. You know what I'm talking about? Anyone with me? Stirrup, stirrup, stirrup. Is that, that part of that? Spanner. Yep. The spanner, <laughs> the hammer. Yes. And the, um, what's the... I don't know, it looked like Nina What's was this? making like the Russian flag, sort of the sickle and the... <laughs> or a sign of the cross, it, she's very worried. Yeah, it's, it's the sickle, the scythe and the, the star. I'm trying to think of the branded name for a crosshead screwdriver. Torx. Philips, no. Oh, no, and a Philips. Philips flat. Is it yeah. Philips? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. yeah. We're so, so far I'm, out of our comfort zone with that conversation. Yeah. We're I mean, all ear I doctors up, as well. I straight up have no idea how any of those ailments could have been cured with electricity. Um, but apparently people were happy with it and it was free. So, yeah. Yay. Why not? Uh, and another thing that he would treat people for is toothache. So oh, if no. you've got toothache. <laughs> I don't think you need electricity. No. I don't. What? He would, so was it just a general electrocution or would he electrocute the piece of body that needed yeah, attention? I think it would it would be specifically to the body part that needed oh, attention. I don't want that, especially in my teeth. Yeah. That's yeah. so horrible. And yeah. I'm not sure where this would be applied, but sometimes uh, electrolysis would be applied. Sorry, electrotherapy Electro would be... <laughs> Electrolysis. <laughs> would be applied to the eyebrows and they would look, mm. quite frankly, on fleek. <laughs> <laughs> um, is on fleek still a thing or is that... No, no. absolutely not. No. no. That didn't stick around, did it? No. Where are we at with bad. lit? Yeah. Is lit still? Do we know? I think if we have to ask, it's probably out. Okay, yeah. so we'll go back to our own ones. So that's rad and dope. <laughs> oh, on, tubular. Um... <laughs> But also uh, electrotherapy could be used for tapeworms as well. So <laughs> don't worry if you've got what, a tape for, for their ailments. <laughs> tapeworm <laughs> with a toothache. It's sad. My tapeworm's a bit ill. Ill. Or better. <laughs> Doctor, please help my tapeworm. He helps me to stay very thin and I want to ensure that he is just fine. I'd oh. love a tapeworm. Right? Can you imagine? Diets uh, out the window. We're joking, ladies. Everyone looks fabulous. Everyone is very yeah, yeah, a parasite. Yeah, 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 yeah. And don't have babies. Cool. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> because same, same. Uh, carry on. Yeah. Uh, so, um, after that time in 1965, uh, people started to come back to electrotherapy so it kind of fell out of favor because it was used for random ass weird stuff in the 1800s it was then used to just torture um mental hospital patients oh. um and then in 1965 they kind of were like actually i think electrotherapy could do something for the body um, and they started being a little bit more specific in what they were doing. And they also started to understand how uh, pain traveled through the body. And they developed the idea of like a gate control uh, mm -hmm. pain, um, like traveling through the nerve fibers, ugh, nerve fibers, nerve fibers. <laughs> you got nerb. a nerve. Um and that perhaps uh, things could be done to block those signals and perhaps relieve pain. 
So that was when people started to look at using electrotherapy for pain relief. And since that time, we've developed different methods and we still use electrotherapy today. Um, so there's pulsed shortwave therapy, which uses uh, the effects of electro... Oh, God, really. Which uses the effects of an electric and magnetic field to improve the efficiency of the body's healing processes in soft tissue injuries yeah sorry can you say that again no (laughs) so (laughs) uh it's also used in ultrasounds um so that you can look at the baby and go yeah baby (laughs) that sounded quite threatening like look at the baby (laughs) look at it look in the eye what you've done uh, <laughs> what you've done uh, and then there's also tens which is transcutaneous electrical nerve si- stimulation which is a method of providing pain relief and that is generally when that's applied to specific parts of the body that feel pain um, and that is used in hospitals and physiotherapy studios yeah, indeed clinics and that's the end. So, oh, oh nice, abrupt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's finished. Weird yeah. sentence finished. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, very I, enjoyed it. I just love again the confidence of people back in the 18th century being like, "Does it hurt? Uh, stick some, stick some shit on it. Stick some electricity on it. Very cool." Yeah. But that was go. a great time, wasn't it? It was, you know. <laughs> Let's do it. And then even like 19th century, wasn't it? You know, it hurts. You probably better smoke and cocaine about it. And then mm. you feel a bit better. Have you tried whiskey also? And also leeches. So they yeah. they work, right? Like, oh no, maggots in, in uh, like tissue. Yeah, yeah it has to be the right kind of maggots. But yeah. Well, I'd hope that you go to a, a reputable maggot provider before you put any old maggot on your wound. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. Oh, you've just given me some inspiration for my craft. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you very much, Ria. That was electrifying. Oh, I see what you did there. All right, Ninu. No. Time. Oh, yeah, it is. Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was me. <laughs> Sorry, I was ready. Well, it's not you. And as a punishment, you must sit and wait through oh Nina's my. story. Hit us. I, uh, I can't stop hearing maggot in your wound and think of it as some kind of disgusting awesome metaphor for going out to a club and bringing someone home. <laughs> oh. 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 Maggot in your wound. Did you get, did you get a maggot in your wound last oh. night? Oh. Are you okay? (laughs) Oh, it's so gross though. I thought we established a while ago that no, I'm not okay. (laughs) Not at all. Wow. That's just some confirmation. (laughs) Okay. So me, I go. Yeah, you go. So the title of mine is Oh No. Darling. AKA medical practices gone wrong. Oh, yes. I'm so here for this content. Give me some gross shit. So, I'm going to first talk to you about 
a famous surgeon, a Mr. Robert Liston. He was oh. famous in the 1800s. So if you take your mind back to that time when there's operating theatres with like a wooden table in the middle and a mm -hmm. shitload of seats around the side and everybody's watching because there wasn't any telly and this gross <laughs> shit was really cool and gross and interesting and oh, gross. Guys, we would have so been there. We would yeah. have. Oh, I know yeah. that for us. <laughs> so he was a famous surgeon. So this was in the 1800s in the time of all of that surgical, uh, could say advancement. <laughs> so, for the time and he began studying medicine in edinburgh when he was 14 years old lad that's too young yeah that's too young i don't want anybody operating on me who learnt some of that information when they were 14 i mean even going into hospital today some of the junior doctors i'm like did you skip sixth form to be here today please please help me <laughs> and I've, by I'm 16 years old he had become assistant to his tutor and then oh. by 24 years old he had become house surgeon in the royal infirmary of edinburgh and i'm, I'm not guessing sure a house surgeon must be a bit like the house wine right <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> like they're always there they're not going off the cheapest option else. yeah cheapest. and they'll do you know what you're getting it's wine. You'll it's, probably have a good time. He's a surgeon. He's there. You don't have to sit down and go, oh, God, this menu doesn't have any prices. You just go, I'll have the house surgeon, please. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll either do the job or ruin your life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Excellent. House wine. Um, so 10 years after that, so in 1828, he was promoted to operating surgeon. So he was a proper surgeon he was a an operating wine oh as opposed to <laughs> house surgeon <laughs> of course the one that did the surgery on the houses <laughs> he was actually a carpenter up until this point yeah <laughs> which to be fair isn't that a lot of no, old no, surgeons very came from things. um weren't, weren't they like skilled butchers though yeah like, especially orth orthopedic yeah orthopedic butchers well, orthopedic surgeons still are what <laughs> slip of the tongue so, be, so it's because um speed was really important in those days when you didn't have any anesthetics so ah. he oh. was famed for his speed and his skill and is reputed to have been able to complete operations in a matter of seconds wow so, wait wait everything can be counted in seconds how many seconds are we talking a matter of seconds. Ah. But is it one of those things where surgery, <laughs> surgery should really be a lot more, you know, more haste, less, less speed? <laughs> but not in these times because they didn't have anaesthetic. So I'd like to see his, his more, more, what are they called? Mortality rates. There we go. Uh, I've got a little quote from Florence Nightingale's Notes on Nursing here for you, which will explain it in a posher way than I will. There are many physical operations where <laughs> I don't I don't know why I'm degrading her by doing that voice, Do but I'm gonna carry on. Yeah. There it. are many physical operations where, all else being equal, the danger is in a direct ratio to the time the operation lasts. Okay. And the operator's success will be in direct ratio to his quickness. Mm. So basically, 
speed's really, really important before anesthesia because it makes a huge difference in the pain that the patient is experiencing and which also that dramatically affected survival rates. Yeah. So get in and get out. Yeah. yeah. Job done. Get in, right. get out as quick as possible. Faster you are, the better you are. And he was described by a colleague as the fastest knife in the West End. He could amputate a leg in two and a half minutes. Again, I just, I don't know. Is that the selling point they think it is? It has well, its downsides. If, it, if it's if it's got to come off, I'd like it to come off quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but also it's like, Jeff, can you take this guy's leg off? Gone for two and a half minutes. Sorry, error in paperwork. We meant, oh, oopsie. The wrong one. Well, let me give you some of his most famous cases. So in four minutes, he removed a 45 pound to carry it round in a wheelbarrow. Oh, um, you know, it cut out and we just got he removed a 40 pound in a wheelbarrow. Scrotum. I heard scrotum. It was a scrotum. Yay! <laughs> so he removed a 45 pound scrotum. Scrotal tumour, oh. whose owner had had to carry it round in a wheelbarrow. Oh! 45 pounds? Yeah. Wait, wait, that, that is, that is like 20 kilograms. Yeah. <laughs> or just under 20, isn't it? Is that my? Yeah. Yeah. It's like half a person. And here. A tiny person. Fuck it. That's Bo. That's my dog. That's literally the size of my dog in testicles. Well, it only took him four minutes to remove, so I'm sure that man was very happy about that. Mm. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, another famous case, not quite as positive. He oh. was having an argument with his house surgeon, so oh, his his lesser. Yeah. Now that he now that he is promoted beyond house surgeon, and the argument was. Is the red pulsating tumour in a small boy's neck a straightforward abscess of the skin or a dangerous aneurysm of the carotid artery? Oh, Jesus. Please oh. say you guessed right. Poo! Liston exclaimed impatiently. <laughs> Poo! <laughs> Whoever heard of an aneurysm in one so young? Oh. Flashing a knife from its waistcoat pocket, he lanced it. Houseman's note. Outlet arterial blood and the boy fell. Oh. oh, that means died, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The patient died, but the artery lives in <laughs> University College Hospital Pathology Museum. Specimen, oh. specimen number 1256, if you ever want to go and visit that poor boy's artery. Oh, so is that, do we chalk that down to a win or? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, <laughs> Wait, that's, that's the thing you were talking about where maybe take a little little more time to maybe inspect what's going on before we just cut it off as quickly as possible yeah if you want to so yes as we can see with impatience and speed comes risk quote occasionally liston's speed and showmanship were a hindrance to his operations showmanship you know like when bartenders all like flick the cocktail stuff like that vibe with the scalpel yeah, I think because he's the fastest, he's got an audience. People are like, oh, my God, he's the fastest surgeon in all of the land. So wow. he's showing off a bit. Um, but yes, these were occasionally a hindrance to his operations, such as 
this hindrance when he amputated the leg of someone in two and a half minutes. Oh. But in his enthusiasm, he also amputated the patient's testicles. <gasps> but enthusiasm? Good Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he was going for the leg. Yeah. I mean, was he going for the leg? Like Normally there's like a, a bit. A bit going on, you know what I mean? Like there's a there's like a stump. stump. Was he going like straight for the right the where the leg meets the groin? Yeah, apparently. So. Oh, maybe he wasn't. He was just really enthusiastic. It was actually a below the knee amputation. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, maybe maybe, they maybe had they were just very long. Testicles. Yeah. yeah, very long testicles. Well, could be true. We can't blame that patient. Hell no. No, let's not. Let's not. And so this is his most famous surgery. He amputated another leg in under 200, two and a half minutes. 200 minutes. 200 minutes. <laughs> that sounds like a more reasonable amount of time to spend amputating a leg. Amputating. Amputating. <laughs> I'm start Damn that bit again. So again, he amputated this person's leg in under two and a half minutes. Um, but this time he was moving so fast, he amputated, in addition, the fingers of his surgical assistant. Oh! <laughs> and while switching instruments, he also slashed through the coat of a spectator. What? I don't think he should be operating anymore. The patient and assistant both later died from infections from their no. wounds. Oh, and the spectator was so terrified that the knife had pierced his vitals that he fainted from fright and was later discovered to have died from shock. What? The fiasco is said to be the only known surgery in history with a 300% mortality rate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not funny, but also... <laughs> also is... Very much oh. <laughs> so you can laugh because in some in some places it says like take this with a grain of salt like it's it may have been amped up as a great story but also this this guy was just fucking lunatic <laughs> yeah absolute psychopath um right i am gonna smash through the other ones quite quickly because they're quite short things anyway so my next oh no <laughs> Ah, <laughs> some items left behind in people's bodies. Yay! Oh no, that is an oh no. So I've gone for one that happened in 2009. So that's not even that long ago. Yeah, that's too recent. Like yeah, that's too recent. I don't like it. A man with prostate cancer had undergone surgery to relieve pain caused by the condition, but he was left in even worse pain when he awoke. Initially, staff had dim has dismissed the, his pain as from being from healing. And it was not until months later when a nurse inspected his wounds was shocked by what she found. There was a gauze pad poking out from inside his stitches. Oh. He underwent further surgery to remove the item. But can you guess how many more items they found? No. Oh, oh. 24. I think a solid four more items. That's arranged, boss. <laughs> play my fun game <laughs> three after two additional surgeries a total of 16 different items what? were found <laughs> <laughs> yes Ria you won <laughs> including a six inch long compress a six inch roll of bandage 
several swabs, part of a surgical mask, and even a needle. Oh, fucking what? hell. The, <laughs> the family took the hospital to court. They were like, this is unacceptable. Oh, it, and, fuck it, like that is. Mm-hmm. And the hospital denies that the items that were found in his body were left during the prostate surgery. They claim the items entered his body after the surgery, but they didn't give any explanation as to how he could have ingested the items, including the needle. Please, please um, say they lost. Please say they lost. I didn't go into further detail about <laughs> the case because I was oh. like, they've, they're definitely going to lose. And he actually, he didn't live that long after that happened. And oh. so the court case became more, I think it became more about, could he have lived longer if mm. this hadn't happened to him? If they hadn't basically swept the fucking operation table off into his guts and gone, okay, well, that's cleaned that. Someone just stitch it up and... Mm. Yeah. Did yeah. you say it was a prostate operation? Yeah. So think about where in the body that is. Yeah. That's, that's not okay. No. It also probably suggests that he was quite an like an, el- an old dude because that prostate cancer, most elderly men tend to have it. But mm. still. Yeah. It was crazy. Yikes. Craziness. And now I don't know if I have time, but I have another teeny tiny one, which is yeah. it's not even really part of medical practices. It's just one that one of my friends sent me and was like, can you please talk about this? Because I, w- I want to know more about it, but I don't want to read about it myself. Uh, yeah, than sold. <laughs> so a lithopedian, a.k.a. a stone baby. It's a rare phenomenon which occurs most commonly when a fetus dies during an abdominal pregnancy. Pregnancy. So an abdominal pregnancy is outside the womb. So it's not where it's supposed to be. But by that point, it's too large to be reabsorbed by the body. And so it calcifies on the outside. Like a reaction to a foreign body. No way. As a way to prevent the mother's body. No, as a way to protect the mother from the dead tissue of the fetus. Because that would cause an infection. Yeah. That is upsetting. It is not unusual for a stone baby to remain undiagnosed for decades. (gasps) Oh, shit. And diagnoses often happens when the patient is examined for other conditions that require being subjected to an X-ray. Yowza. The mean age of women with lithopedia was 55 years old at the time of diagnosis. So that was the time that they found the stone baby inside Mm. them, uh, which meant that the average time that a lithopedium was carried was 22 years. (gasps) So and in long. several cases, the women became pregnant multiple times after and gave birth to children without incident, completely unaware of the stone baby inside them. And did yeah. they, sorry, did they, do they actually look like stone babies? Some of them do, yes. Oh. You can Google stone babies and some will come up. I was going to send one, but then I was like, mm, I don't think that's the kind of thing people want to see in our social media no. pages. Yeah. Mm, no, well, let's content warning for you. Yeah, a bit of a trigger, trigger it's one there. Awesome. Um, and then there were on the Wikipedia page. There's a load of example cases, and some of them are like fine, like they just 
these people just didn't notice they were in there and some of them are quite sad um but the longest known case was from huang yijun who was 92 when she uh had it removed and she'd been informed that the fetus had died inside her in 1948 but she didn't remove it at the time because she didn't have the money for it. Oh, no. Meaning it remained inside of her for 65 years. The last one, which really oh, freaked me out. Um, a two kilogram calcified fetus was discovered <gasps> in the abdomen of Estela Mel- Melendez, who was 90 and from Chile. Discovery was made uh, during an x-ray exam because she was brought in to hospital after a fall. So she just had no idea. The lithopedian was believed to have been there for 50 years, was so large and developed, it occupied the whole abdominal cavity. And it was not removed on the grounds of the patient's age. Wow. They were like, it's been in there long enough, just leave it in there. I feel like... uh, Chill. I feel like if you find something like that out, I don't know, like, is it better to not, I wouldn't want to know, you know, if they're not going to remove it, don't tell me you have, I have like a stone baby. Yeah. 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 Just, just be like, oh, you got a bit of an ulcer, but actually it's just going to dissipate to don't even fret babes. You know, like you don't need to know because that is just like, oh, hi, basically like you're haunted, Uh, but we can't. Yeah. No, that's no. It's cool, though, like, that the body will do that to protect you from infection. Mm. Yeah, for sure. But it's also really creepy. Yeah, Yeah. it's like 100% creepy. And that's why my friend didn't want to look it up herself. She made me do it. So you're welcome, friend. You better have some kind of review. You're a good friend to your friend. I know. Well, is that the end? That's the end. Cheery. Yay, I'm so happy that you ended on a bleak thing yet again. Excellent work. Um, That was also super interesting. I really enjoyed the, oh no, segment. Especially when they were just leaving shit in people. (laughs) That's that's definition of, oh no. Is, Is anybody else in their head singing Haunted Babies to the theme tune of Muppet Babies? No, no, I don't think no. I can remember the Muppet Babies theme tune. No, Muppet Babies. So now it's just haunted babies leaving <laughs> stones in you. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, nice. Yeah. I think the less riffing on that, the better. So <laughs> moving swiftly on. Yeah, well, let's well. let's cut that. Let's maybe let's all agree that that can be cut. Um. Yeah. Okay, nope. so how to be more depressing than that? Uh, nope, it's not possible. So instead, nope. I'm going to tell you about medical practices that are medieval is probably too far, but they're very old and we are still using them today because what? if it ain't broke, keep using leeches. Yay! Okay. <laughs> so I have stolen Nina's patented list um, of things. And when I say I've done my own research, very much thank you to healthcareglobal.com and their article entitled <laughs> Six Medieval Practices You Won't Believe Doctors Are Using Today. Oh. Beautiful. 
Thank you. I so, feel, Bothwell, I'm just going to say right now, I feel the main tip of using list is to pretend that you've curated the list. Oh, okay. Not just, I'm, not... <laughs> I'm reading a website list at you. Oh, okay. I made up this list from a list that was a similar list on another <laughs> website with lists. Nice. There, that's much, much better. Thank you. Okay, so number one, leech therapy. So still going, still very much going. The first recorded use of leeches in medicine dates back to 800 BC. So a good 2,800 years ago. Well, Ooh. hang on, wait a minute. Wait, we're part. It's not the year two thousand anymore, is it? So, no, no, it is not. Guys, you do your own maths. It was a long time ago, um, but according to the British Medical Journal, they were used in bloodletting, a practice that was believed to cure fevers, headaches, and serious illnesses. Again, the doctors of back then crazy, like, oh, you have a headache. <laughs> I found this in a pond. I'm going to just try putting it on you to see what happens. Um, today, leeches are used to stimulate blood circulation after skin grafts and reconstructive surgery. Ooh. And how it works is that the leech's saliva contains enzymes and compounds that act as an anticoagulation agent. Mm -hmm. So stop it from getting all clotty, uh, yep. essentially. Don't um, say clotty. Clotty. It's not an okay mm. word, is it? I know. No, I it's really not. It, it's mm, clotty. No, yes, worse. Okay. The most prominent of these anticoagulation agents is hirudin, which binds itself to thrombins, thus effectively inhibiting coagulation of the blood. Fully um, just making it up now. No, no. Just <laughs> the flim flams on the thromblims and the plim plams on the ning nongs. <laughs> Did a guy land gimbal in the wave? Anyway, um, <laughs> yep, but so it sounds and feels and is a very archaic practice, but the FDA approved leeches as medical devices in 2004 to drain pooled blood after surgery. As actual medical devices? Yes, like... a leech is a medical device, which it's not. No. <laughs> I was going to say, like, sorry to kind of, as a vegan, Ria, I feel like we we can't just take them and say you've got this job. That's just forced labour, surely. Um, I I would say so. I mean, the bit that was uh, bothering me is that I don't think they're a device. I feel like a device has to be devised. Like, yeah, and also like not. They, would you say they're sentient? They're living beings. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if I'd say sentient. Um, I, I get real yeah. weird about the word sentient because there are plenty of times where people were like animals don't have feelings they don't feel the same things when they're screaming when we're killing them they're not feeling anything yeah but that that's just to placate our horrendous actions rather than yeah i don't know where it works with bugs though because Joe tells me off, not tells me off, but sometimes when I'm like I'm trying to save things that have fallen into like flies when they fall into water. Not that I love flies, but, you know, watching something drown is horrendous. So I'll try and save them and then they'll just fly straight back in it. And I'll be like, Joe, and she's like, yeah, they're not so much. I mean, I, I, I try to pick up bees uh, when they've got all oh, tired in the path bees. and stuff. Definitely bees. Yeah. Uh, bees are great. And I try to move caterpillars when they're in the middle of, like, a pedestrian walkway. This person not for you, Mr. Caterpillar. 
This is, this, is for you. Is this us doing our own version of like insect eugenics now? We're just drawing yeah. a line yeah. of where we think. So let's move like, on. Um, <laughs> before let's we move on, on oh. I just, if leeches are now deemed as a medical device, that means it's someone's job to like maintain medical leeches. <laughs> Genuinely, their job will be to yeah. like keep them really? at the right temperature, make sure they haven't had too much blood, but they're getting the right blood. Yep. yep. And also like, Karen, can you get me some leeches from the leech cupboard? Thanks, Karen. And I think Karen hates her job. Mm. Uh, Anyway, let's move completely on to number two, which is maggot therapy. Yay! (laughs) So since ancient times, physicians have used maggots to help clean injuries and basically to try to help prevent uh, infection. And the reason for this is because, do you guys know, what do maggots like to eat? Dead shit and not alive. Yeah, they do. They like to eat dead flesh. So basically, doctors don't really need to worry that they're going to be snacking on the bits of us that we still need that are well alive. No, 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 no. They'll just be eating all that necrotic shit. So good for them. All the Um, wounds. mm, Got a a maggot in your wound. You get a maggot in your wound last (laughs) night. Yeah, I did. Um, One study that was published um, in the archives of dermatology showed that maggots placed on surgical incisions helped to clear more dead tissue from the sites than surgical debridement, um, which is the kind of current standard of care when doctors poke around with scalpels and shit trying to get that stuff out. Debridement is not a nice word. It is not, but it does give you a very clear picture of what is happening. They are poking around the bride away. I just get real sad when the bride leads. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But how it's done. So you get your maggots and you kind of put them in a uh, little kind of, they're encapsulated in something that looks a little bit like a tea bag um, and then applied to the wound. (laughs) And then they're just like, and having a great time. So that is maggot surgery number two. Now, the next one we have, I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly. And I probably could have checked, uh, but I didn't bother. So yay. So now we are doing <laughs> transphenoidal surgery. It's definitely not right, is it? Is that, is that where Legit? we put my phenoidal somewhere else? Yeah, basically. Far away from here, thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, no, so transphenoidal surgery is is apparently minimally invasive, which I kind of get, but it's a procedure where surgeons will essentially access tumours in your brain and get rid of them via your nasal cavity. <gasps> That's so cool. Yeah. That's so, so much education. Invas- yeah. 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 So, in, in fact, it was very well spotted. Uh, the ancient Egyptians who discovered that you could get good access to the brain via the nasal cavity. To be very clear, you cannot just like stick your finger up your nose and be like, oh, my brain is there. And no, no, no. So, no. there are COVID tests, not just scraping yeah, the brain. Essentially, because there are people who have reported that they are concerned. Um, so it is not it is not a direct passage that you can reach. However, it is it is a point whereby a surgeon with the correct tools could try to prong into the brain. So, uh, according to Raj Sindwani, and he is an uh, okay otolaryngologist. Sure. Yeah, with Cleveland Clinic, the practice has been done for thousands of years. Um, 
having obviously discovered that we can go in easily through the nose. Um, and it is a very straightforward way to get there if you are able to access the tumours that are, that are, you know, basically that you're needed to get via that passage. If there's something back, you know, towards the nape of your neck, you probably don't want them going in via the front. But so that is number three. Okay, uh, I'm going to have a little bit of a trigger warning for number four because it's freaking gross. So if poop isn't your thing, please feel free to tap out. Bye. All your all your trigger warnings are just made up based on what you don't like. Yeah, I feel like people are far more likely to be freaked out by the thought of things going up their nose into their brain to take Vicks out of their brain than they are about poop. No, this is a fecal transplant. Oh, I've heard of this. I'd 100% do this. Would 100%. Like for fun on a weekend. Do you need some of my poop, Nina, for your healthy gut? If they found that I was lacking the healthy enzymes to digest gluten and that's what caused my intolerance because it's not an allergy, then yes, I would have had a fecal transplant to get some of those good bacteria in my gut and be able to eat fucking bread again. Hells yeah. Well, that just tells our listeners that you're disgusting. So number four, Ah! fecal transplant. You're not really, if it could do that, then do because bread is great. So the incidence of Clostridium difficile infection, CDI, has risen sharply over the last couple of decades and (laughs) human stool transplants have been found to consistently cure. Guess how many, guess guess the percentage. I think it's it's like 97. Sorry, you were 97, Mimi. Yep. Nina, you were? 87. Rhea, you were 100. 120. <laughs> Excellent. 300%. <Yep>. 300%. <laughs> That's right. All three died. Uh, no. Um, Nina, you were the closest. It is 90% of patients who have had multiple episodes of CDI. Um, to be fair, an infection which causes pretty serious diarrhea uh, and affects roughly oh. 3 million people per year. You know, so it's not great. It's curing 90% of them. So that's pretty cool. So these days, fecal transplants are done either by colonoscopy. Mm, Just pop it up there. Which I think whilst I have very little interest in having much of a relationship with my butt, um, is better than the other option. Which is orally. No. Which is through the nose. Into the stomach. Why through the nose? Just drink it, you pussy. No, Ah, it's not liquid. It's not liquid, guys. It's going to be a pill. Put it in a pill. So no, no, no. That is a different option. This is this is when it's put in that way. It is. It is. And oh, so I think it is run through the nose because I think the nose is potentially somehow more. I don't know. More more better than having it in your mouth. I don't think they give you a poop like right. (laughs) We have a complimentary imperial mint for the. We've got the stuff. If you can figure out how to get into your stomach, we'll be back in an hour. Yes. Um, (laughs) Choose wisely. The um, one of the medical journals, so the JAMA, did actually say that they um they had created a less unsavoury route by way of a pill which is what Nina was referring to. However, it will not work for everybody and therefore faecal transplants are still going strong. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you want to put it up my butt or give me a pill, put it in my mouth. If it meant my digestive system worked how it used to, I'd fucking do it. Fair yeah, play. Nina's night sounds banging. Yeah. yeah. Put it in my butt, put it in my mouth. Yeah, but it, also you got, you know, it'd be like now you're Nina Stranger's poop. You know? Uh, well, I, mean, I wouldn't I, tell you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I probably would say that because that's quite fun. Yeah. I know. I, I would definitely tell you guys. <laughs> But I wouldn't be judging you for it. I I would just be saying it because it would make me laugh. I wouldn't be judging you for it because I know it's a medical procedure that would help you. But I would also at the same time be, you know, ew. I imagine I'm... it though, like next time we're round, like Bob's for dinner or what have you. She'll just be like, Nina, stranger's poop. Would you like some food? <laughs> would you like uh... some more poop? <laughs> Just, just like never leaving her mind. Even if she's not saying it, there's always that pause after she says your name, mm-hmm. where you know she's thinking it. Get out of my brain! <laughs> no one gave you she's, right to access. You know she's just looking at you, thinking like, "There's somebody else's poop in there." Yep. Oh, no, it'll be worse though. It'd be like if we ever had to go to, you know, if we were at a restaurant or a place where there was a public toilet and you know if somebody left a little skiddy i'd be like oh nina shall i flush or do you want that you know none of us like it let's let's move on okay so number five <laughs> trepanation oh, oh yes yeah so we've seen it so many times in so many horror films um, the idea of having somebody drill a hole into your skull is pretty nerve-wracking. Nobody's here for it. Uh, however, doctors do believe that this actually serves a great medical practice. So dating back to, I mean, they've said prehistoric times. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Were cavemen like, Urgh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was originally done to relieve, do you guys know? Why it was originally done? Spirits. Yeah, to get the bad juju out. So you'd basically be like the the demons or spirits or whatever is in your head. We're just going to create a little hole so that they can get out. But it'll only be a little hole, so don't worry. Everything else can stay in. Yeah, perfect. I I prefer less of my brains coming out. Um, Yeah, right. Yeah. So we've we've got a. It's got to be big enough. Do you guys know why it's done now? Spirits. Um, Cranial pressure. 100% 100% spirits. Oh. Yeah. No, it is exactly for cranial pressure. So basically, it's done to relieve swelling. stress and pressure on the brain and swelling after there has been serious trauma to the brain. It does carry its risks, obviously. You are removing a chunk of skull. But should the brain swell into the skull and have nowhere else to go, obviously, chances of um, survival become very slim. So a little bit of a sunroof can help to alleviate <laughs> that pressure. Okay, so... <laughs> Last and final, last and, and you final also medical procedure. Have to wear a big strong helmet until you get it put back on because if you fall, you'll die. Yep. It's like, you know, babies when they have that soft spot. Which, what is that about? The automatic off button. Right. That they all come with. Right. It's if like you push you hard are, enough. You are this tiny, fragile thing. I remember when my, my brother first had <laughs> my niece, Ella. Um, 
And I was so like amazed to see her, but he passed her over to me and she was this tiny, teeny little thing anyway that had like was basically made of jello, had no control. And then it was like, you must support the head and also don't press too hard on the top because basically otherwise you'll smush into her brain. And it was like, what? Sorry. Yeah. So I just basically just stood there and was like, I just won't move. Please somebody come and take away the self-destruct baby because I'm afraid. Right. Last one. What do you think it might be, guys? One of the oh, oldest me- medical practices that is still going today. Bloodletting, uh, but not with leeches. No. Something to do with teeth. Something to Ew. do with sex. Nina's closest hyster- so far. Hysteria. Having sex with women to treat their hysteria. Something Cocaine. No. <laughs> Cocaine for hysteria. <laughs> I mean, that's just a great night. At- no, it's not. We don't endorse <laughs> drugs on this. Please play a board game instead, lads. If you'd like to endorse drugs, you can message me privately. Right. <laughs> yeah. Speak to me, me. But seriously, if you are playing that board game, let me know what it is. I might want to come. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, cesarean section. Oh, no way. Yeah. So cut that it's baby kind out. Of, yeah, it's been going on. It's one of the oldest medical practices. They think it dates back to 320 BC. Um, what? Obviously, yeah. You know, and we don't know. This is the first time, like anything, it's the first time that it is recorded. But for those of you who have seen uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which is a wonderful documentary. I um, love that film. You will recall Morgan Freeman delivering, uh, I don't know what the, that guy's name was, but Little John's wife's baby. And he, uh, the baby is in distress. He can't come out naturally. And Morgan Freeman says, it's something I've seen done with horses. <gasps> so this was a practice that was used not only on humans, but on animals to kind of assist with births when they were when they were struggling um the mortality rate for the procedure was very very high until the 1880s and the difference was basically down to technique so oh. where they made the they incision. realized they had to sew them up again uh, that was it <laughs> and so we just like hands. cut it out here's the baby okay thanks bye <laughs> see you next week yeah the washing the hands thing is comes way you later you read that yeah but have you read that like that is the most bizarre case of maybe we just think it's so obvious because we have grown up in a yes. time when we appreciate what cleaning your hands will do but the mm. fact that they were like guys our mortality rate has improved three thousand percent <laughs> yep what <laughs> um any hoozles so yes um they developed a different technique which was not just sewing them back together they did do that before but like um relating to kind of where they were actually making the incision. So according to the CDC, the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention, nearly one third of all babies were delivered via C-section in 2012. And obviously that being now 10 years ago, uh, hopefully we'll get some updated stats soon. Can't wait. There probably are some. But I mean, this article was from May 2020. So, well, it's nearly bang up to date. Right. Thank you very much. Um, again, I do want to say thank you so much to healthcareglobal.com for providing yeah. me with all of this information because I literally have pretty much read you the article. But they did it so well, you know, what's the point of me just kind of taking that time to, to reword it? Get my synonyms out on Word, you know? Well, if this was an assignment being handed in in school, the teachers would expect you to at least rearrange the sentences well obviously otherwise i'll get charged with plagiarism but luckily your standards charged. are much much lower <laughs> that'll be charged one plagiarism prison. please i thought i was gonna are you going to prison for plagiarism 
in my head, I probably would, yes. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's it, guys. That's my medical practices that are still in use today, even though they are so old. I really enjoyed that because it was really gross, but also super interesting. So oh, thank yeah. you. Well, that was really good. Um, so talking of interesting, how's everybody's crafts gone? Uh, yeah, like great. Yeah, go on, Ria. No. Uh, no. Okay, cool. Thanks. That was a real emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, is it neurons? Uh, it's not. It's supposed to be a electric lightning. Oh. oh. Like in the sky. I, I'll turn it the other way up. We should, oh, we now it looks like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could just say it looks like a kind of network of neurons. Yeah, oh. why not? Oh, so Bothwell has done a <laughs> wonderful finger painting. Um, tell us about your craft, Bothwell. So, um, not, not going to lie, I have doodled on my finger because I am currently using my work laptop to record. So oh. I'm going to art later. Okay. Well, like Rhea famously said a couple of episodes ago, the artwork is only stressful if you care about the outcome. So it's true. well done, Bothwell, for keeping it chill. Thanks. <laughs> you want to see my doodle finger again? There it is. Uh, I'm calling him Fecal Transplant. <laughs> oh, is he going to go in Nina? <laughs> she better buy him dinner first. <laughs> and uh, Ninu, what you got? Um, I feel like Bothwell could have got away with hers if she had literally just used paint. Yeah. Because <laughs> then it would have been clever. A tiny bit of paint on your finger finger painting um oh my i goodness. went abstract because i didn't really know what to do with finger painting so it just turned into a weird i don't See? really know what it is yeah is it abstract it looks like you've drawn the end of days it's kind of uh i don't know cabin. the know. end of days yeah <laughs> very volcanic a bit oceanic a bit flowery it's cool i like it i liked how it rhymed as well it was volcanic oceanic and a bit flowery it's like a sonnet. That's me. Um, and I've done a much more literal interpretation. Um, I've done an amputated leg nice. with some electricity to represent Ooh. Rhea's story. Um, Did you do that with a finger? It's very well done. Thank you very much. Um, you should see my workspace. It's much less neat. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so electricity for Rhea, amputated leg for... Nina and then Bothwell, here's some like maggoty wound bloodletting area as well. So I've tried to incorporate. Feel like you could have done a poop, but sure. I didn't have any brown. <laughs> <laughs> we could pretend that that's bloody diarrhea. Oh, oh no. yeah, then we will. Leaking from someone's upper thigh? Because <laughs> we put it in there. Oh. <laughs> Great. Good. I'm so glad that we covered that. Um. So what, what's our next topic, guys? What are we Ooh. doing next time? We need to ask sock bag, pad bag, bag sock. Bag. Um, who, what craft shall we do next week while I am looking for this? We should do... Poop transfers. <laughs> we could do finger painting again, but with a different medium. Um, I think Bothwell uh, might be busy during that one. I think yeah. I might be too, to be honest. <laughs> Bothwell might be busy dying. Um, what about cr crayons? Yeah, crayons. 
I think I'm five years old because I've suggested finger painting and crayons. So we know. had also had the same concern, but we didn't oh. want to say anything because we thought it might hurt your feelings and you might go away and cry. That is really. Oh. Do you let Do you let me on this podcast as like a Ah? Oh, you can do it. Well done. That's pretty You're much a big why girl I'm now. on the podcast. <laughs> you can do it though. No, we can do uh we can do crayons uh with um wax over the top. Oh yes. Like use a candle to make a shape and then do the crayons over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's do that. Wait, yeah. you said crayons and then wax, Ria. No, I think what I meant was something that is black that can go over the top of all the colours and then you carve back into it so that all the colours show through. Oh. Can we just a crayon craft? Wax and crayon craft. Yeah. Something <laughs> I'll just put something waxy. Some, this way comes. Wax. Yes. Found the, the thing. The thing is gonna be a cheery one guys. It's cannibalism. Oh do delicious. oh so many choices Uh, out of your co-presenters right oh which one of you would I eat I'm gonna think (laughs) on that that's a big decision to make I mean uh I'd taste the best I'm sure I wonder what the diets would the different diets would oh I would be very high protein from me a nice plant-based diet from Ria and then yeah. lack of gluten from Nina. You'd have all the the major food groups represented. Yeah, the, yeah Nina's like your corn-fed chicken. <laughs> that is often how I think of her. Mm, in so many ways. She's my little corn-fed chicken. <laughs> so if you too would like to... I'm going to start that again because I didn't know where it was going. <laughs> I, I would. If you, you too would like would. to be a corn-fed, corn-fed chicken. chicken. We are always really excited to get topic suggestions or craft suggestions that are better than something with wax. Um, so if you do have any ideas, make sure that you email weirdinghour at gmail.com uh, and hopefully we'll be able to do something a little bit more creative with your suggestions. Uh, if you want to find out more about the horrendous medical practices that we told you about today as always our sources aka that one article from Bothwell are in the show notes so you can hop onto there and read a little bit more about disgusting things that overconfident white men used to do in the 18th century thank you again folks for listening to us and supporting us please if we have entertained you or you just want to share the amount of cringing that you did today Make sure to share with your friends um, and do all the solid stuff like subscribing, etc. Um, so, yeah. Anything else to add from you guys before I say goodbye, Beanie Babies? Um, we've done all the rate, review, subscribe, vote me as your favourite. Yep. Okay. Done. Yep. <laughs> okay. Oh, cool. um, I mean, that's a, that's a desperate attempt at... Uh... <laughs> Well, I'm a desperate kind of person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, please, please vote for me, Ria. I I won't because that's going to be one vote less for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay I... then. Goodbye, Beanie Babies. See you next time. Love you. Bye. Spread the weird.
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs>